Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. And we are on the air. It's a sports spectacular, as she just said, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, Patrick Quinn is on audio. Um, boy, it's a big weekend because this is the final weekend of the regular season uh, in the Big Ten. We've got a lot to talk about here coming up. Um, also, in the back half of, of this hour, none other than Jerry Palm, the godfather of brackets, um, maybe someone else has that nickname. I don't know. That's what I call him. But uh, but Jerry Palm, uh, starting his 20th year coming up here uh, with CBS Sports, and he's one of the leading bracketologists in the country. He's going to join us for his thoughts as we get into um, a little closer now to the NCAA tournament. But guys, we got to start off with um, the big night Thursday night. Looking forward to this weekend, Illinois playing at Purdue. Um, how about the double overtime thriller Thursday night? Uh, Illinois getting the win and the two seniors coming up big in overtime, scoring all 10 points on senior night. How fitting was that? Uh, that was a pretty high-level basketball game, fellas. That was uh, to be in it. That's one of those games I'll remember being in attendance for. It was a uh, great atmosphere. Um, came down to the wire. Looked like Illinois should have won in regulation. Should have lost in the first overtime. And then won in the second overtime. What, what a crazy game. It was so much fun to see a senior night. So you got your Matt Meyer and your Terrence Shannon, both seniors. Oh, Shannon obviously has no year if he wants it, but great to see those guys step up on senior night against the Michigan team. I'll tell you what, I don't know if they're going to make the tournament, but Michigan has, I, I think they have two first-round draft picks, plus they have Hunter Dickinson, who had 31-16. and 16. Yeah, That's a pretty impressive team right there. Yeah, to me, uh, Michigan and Ohio State are so talented. It's it's just hard to believe that, that you know, one's totally out and the other is on the is on the bubble. But, hey, if you're wanting to put out an advertisement for the importance of the transfer portal, uh, you think you could send that from Illinois out to everybody else on just what you can do if you get the right guys and you put them in the right system? Well, yeah. Speaking of the portal, how about uh, Terrence Shannon, um, who many Michigan fans thought he was going to Ann Arbor for his senior season after three years at Texas Tech. Instead, he goes to Illinois, leading scorer, uh, candidate to uh, possibly be an all for uh, first team all big tenor uh, here in the next few days uh, when that list comes out and he drains three free throws in the final 10 seconds uh, to seal this win and really put Michigan in a tough position in terms of NCAA tournament play. You know, we beat up Jawan Howard a lot uh, because Brad Underwood is his daddy uh, now six and all time <laughs> versus Jawan. But listen, I give Jawan a lot of credit because this is a team you, you lose two draft picks uh, in the two guys uh, last year, Houston and, uh, and D- was it Diakite? Um, Diabate. Diabate, thank you. And uh, and I knew it was there was an A in there somewhere. Uh, sound, <laughs> but anyway, um, you lose those two guys. Uh, you lose your starting point guard early uh, to a season-ending knee injury, and yet, even though the record isn't good and their resume is questionable, like you said, this is a really tough out. I mean, they're a, they're a tough team to play. The Reed kid transferring in uh, and plays the four. He's tough. Um, I'm sold on Jed Howard. He's just he's got the NBA written all over him. Um, I mean. If he's not a lottery pick, I want to see who's ahead of him. He, it, they've done a nice job up there, and if they miss it, it, it is, it's um, th- there'll be a real hard out in the NIT. Yeah, I mean, they went what are they six and three in their last nine? They've started to really put it together after they were eleven and ten. So, you know, this is uh, 
you know, losing at Wisconsin, at Illinois, or whatever, uh, they get they got a tough game at Indiana now this uh, this weekend. If they pull out that one, probably move back to the right side of the bubble, and they may be in the play-in game or something. So, but I'll tell you, if you're a team in the NCAA tournament that's a higher seed, you do not want to play them. You probably don't want to play Illinois either, because those are teams that when they get it rolling, that that they're really they can be really good. And this was a really high-level college basketball game. Yeah, and I, I do think that that Jawan Howard, given you know he has some challenges, you know every once in a while popping other coaches, but beyond that, I think he does know how to coach in the one and done situation, and he's gotten his teams into the Sweet Sixteen. So uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. I was so impressed with with Jed Howard, and I was thankful he had a couple dumb fouls because um, I, I did. It was not the worst thing in the world to see him sitting down for a few minutes there at the end of the game. Illinois playing this game shorthanded. The one thing we haven't talked about yet is the situation of Jaden Epps. Uh, if you haven't followed this freshman point guard, been starting point guard since uh, Sky Clark left the team back in early January, he's been outstanding. Um, just Mr. Offense learning a lot and playing much better on defense. Suffered a concussion during practice uh, earlier this week. And Brad, I, he's overnight in, in the hospital. I know you're close to the program. Uh, what else can you tell us about this? Well, you know, they're actually is interesting. Underwood had an interesting comment. This tells you how serious it was when he said they were glad it was a concussion. So mm-hmm. that kind of tells you what they, they were very scared um, when he went down at practice. It sounds like it was maybe a delayed collapse, and um, they were, it was a very scary situation. They've been really on pins and needles. So this you could see where they really needed a game to kind of to, to play just to kind of get that off their minds. But yeah, I, I would expect Epps not to play at Purdue. He wasn't even at the game because the you know the noise and the lights obviously in those in the venue, so I don't expect him to be at Purdue. And then then we'll see what happens after that as he goes through the concussion protocol. Yeah, and look, there are so many um, horrific other things that it could have been when you see somebody collapse. <laughs> I can totally understand why you know the team walks away thinking you know that they're very fortunate that it was a concussion. So. Um, you know, as, as Illini fandom out there, you know, um, everybody's behind uh, Mr. Epps and you hope you hope that he, you know, gets better quickly. And and obviously in a situation like this, he everybody knows he wants to play, but his health is more important and uh, people want him healthy. Yeah. And to kind of add to uh, that, Mike, and what Brad was saying, uh, Epps is from Norfolk, Virginia, which is about as far east as you can get. Right. Um, they came in immediately and they were already in town when he was released in the hospital. And uh, as we understand, uh, still in the area. And, and again, first things first, health, nothing else matters. And the very best to Jaden Epps and his family. And we hope that he makes um, not so much a speedy recovery. We'd love that as fans, um, but as humans and as people who care, a complete recovery. That's the more important thing. The other story, you know, off the court this week was was Matt Meyer making national headlines when he admitted that he drank a monster drink before uh, the game on Sunday, right uh, when they when they lost uh, at Ohio State, came home, began playing video games, drank five more monster drinks, which are ex- just one is extremely high in caffeine, and wound up suffering caffeine poisoning. Actually, was out of commission for a couple of days. Pretty wild story. I mean, that's not a normal thing. <laughs> First of all, it's also wild because Matt Meyer just tell- says what he thinks. It wasn't on his mind. What pops in, he just says. Most guys would wouldn't admit that, right? That's kind of why you love him. Um, but you know, it was funny. Then he comes into the Michigan post game press conference with two monsters, <laughs> and I'm told they actually DM'd him 
about doing an NIL deal with him <laughs> from Monster. So great stuff. I mean, this was fun. He said, he said, it's a really good drink. Said, you have to just drink responsibly. That's what he said. <laughs> I just kept thinking, you know, it, he's the Matt. He's the Monster Matt <laughs> with the old Monster Mash song. Right, sure. So here you are, uh, Monster people. Go ahead, do that, the Monster Matt, and Illini guys need our cut. Yeah. Mike, Mike, I would say I'm waiting for him to come out to the game like Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day, but he'll have two monsters and he'll smash them together. <laughs> Got a wrestling. That'd be awesome. Oh, I'll tell you what, we can hear the and breaking that's the of the line. We can hear the breaking of the glass as he comes out to that glass shattering and and then he that would be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure Josh Whitman is right behind us on that's how he wants to market the basketball program. <laughs> exactly. I'm ready. Let's do it. This is why Josh is always scared when I walk in the room. And it's, not, <laughs> it's not my physical stature that does anything to him. He's afraid what you're going to say next. It's all right. Oh, God, it's that guy. It's that guy again. It's him. Right. It's him. 91-87 was the score, uh, Illinois over Michigan. We'll talk a lot more about that double overtime game. Also look ahead to the Purdue game, the season finale. Uh, Illinois, again, still uh, has a shot. Um, at at a, a double buy in the tournament, and who thought that was possible uh, last Sunday after the loss at Ohio State that seemed to take them out of that? Also, the Illini women uh, are playing in the Big Ten tournament. We'll have more on that. Uh, we will talk with Matt Stevens, who is the only Illinois media member covering the Big Ten tournament up there. Nobody else is there; only the Illini guys. Matt Stevens will join us. We'll also talk to Adalia McKenzie as well, the Illini gal, fresh off her all-Big Ten pick this week. Lots to come. Don't go anywhere. This is the Illini Guy Sports Spectacular. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. This segment presented by Busey Bank. Busey Bank, proud sponsor of Illini Athletics. Again, a little more on the Illini-Michigan game. 91-87, double overtime in this one. And boy, what an instant classic it was. Uh, great to hear the ESPN people. We normally don't get that excited about Big Ten games or even Illinois games, but they did in this one. Um, the first double overtime between these two since January of 2000. Um, and again, Brad Underwood gets the the win. He's 6-0 against Howard. Uh, Illinois, 20th uh, win of the season, I believe fourth year in a row, again, that they've uh, done that. Guys, really want to talk about um, the play. Let's start with with RJ Melendez. You know, so many fans kind of just were really down on him when he, boy, he went through that six-week slump and couldn't hit anything. Um, but 20 point in the last three games, beginning to come out of that funk, and really broke through. And, and Brad, I know both of you guys, Coach, this is why you stick with a kid. Um, because you know, he's got so much talent, um, and you can see in his play, Brad, he seems more confident now than what he did even just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, since he had that little shoulder injury in December, I think we had said he shot five for 33 or something like that crazy over the next eight weeks or almost or six, seven weeks. And now he's making shots, but it's more than that. It's it's He's going to the basket. He's attacking the rim. He's playing some fantastic defense. He is, you know, does a fantastic job using his length. 
Um, he's finishing at the rim. He's just really playing with confidence, just like you said. And and it changes the game because now if you have an R.J. Melendez playing with confidence on the wing to go with Meyer and Shannon, whew, that's a that's a really good wing trio to feel really good about, not to mention, you know, Ty Rogers. Yeah, I, I do think this is the, what makes college basketball great is you have the, you have a longer season and you have people have ups and downs and, and he's had a challenging season, but yet he's hung in there. And now as it comes down to the culmination, all of a sudden you see RJ elevating and I hope he can keep it up because it's a lot of fun seeing him realize his potential. Well, it's, and it's a lot of fun. And, and to Brad's point, all three of those guys, if you've got them all clicking Meyer, Shannon, and Melendez all can hit the three uh, and all can drive with authority, although Meyer not as athletic as the other two. Um, he's so crafty that he can really pose some problems. Um, you know, that's why guys, he's so lethal with that step back three because you have to respect the drive uh, with him. Um, moving to freshman, Ty Rogers is somebody that we've, we've been waiting to kind of, again, as a freshman, kind of fight through some things. We knew his talent level was high. He was on Team USA last year came into camp late in the summer because of that experience, winning a gold medal down in Mexico. Um, you know, Matt Stevens, uh, who we'll talk to here in a few minutes, he's covering the Big Ten tournament, uh, women's tournament up in Minneapolis for us. He even had a story after the game uh, against Ohio State. Is it time for Todd to get his first start? He didn't get that, but he was the guy who was right there in the mix at the end. Clearly, uh, Brad Underwood trusts his young freshman. Yeah, he does so many good things. Um you know, we talked about his rebounding, obviously, but his finishing around the rim, he's so athletic. Another guy who can defend multiple positions. You, you see the progression. Beginning of the year, he's struggling to get on the floor. I remember at Madison Square Garden, uh, when Illinois played Texas, I was there, and I'm in the locker room post-game. I'm talking to the Illinois coaches and players, and this kid was lost. Like, I mean, he was just not in a good place mentally. He was really struggling. And you see now – He's locked in. He's ready to go. That's just that experience. It's so much fun to watch these kids grow. And he's going to be a monster yeah. next year. You know, I mean, this kid's going to be really good next year. Uh, and, and in fact, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to see him make a massive jump, be that sophomore leap that you were kind of thought you might get from Melendez or somebody this year. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. I'm a big believer in him after seeing him, you know, in the AAU circuit. I think he is going to shock some people. He's a hard worker. His jump shot is not nearly as bad as what, you know, it, it, I think it's some of it's mental. And when it starts clicking for him and people have to defend against that drive and he can pull up and hit the shots, he's going to be a nightmare to guard. Um, it was his offensive rebounding. He has a sense for the ball that's just almost preternatural where he's always like, you know, the ball goes to the left and, oh, he happened to take that cut as well. And he's over there for the offensive rebound. Big difference with, uh, uh, you know, having five of those tonight. Yeah, Rogers uh, on this with uh, um, with seven rebounds that tied for the team high. 14 points, that's a career high in 33 minutes off the bench. Again, and the, the minutes were big in this, double overtime. Coleman Hawkins, 49 minutes. Shannon 44 minutes, Meyer, his back holding out to get 39. Um, and he really, you know, came up big. Meyer came up big. And when you look at that and, you know, his last field goal in regulation was like about the 625 mark. He didn't score again until those opening baskets, uh, the three, the layup. And then after a, a, a Hunter Dickinson layup, another layup 
Uh, so he scores the first seven points in overtime, his first field goals since again, uh, late in the, in the second half. So um, I was somebody watching the game that I kind of thought, you know, he's, his, his legs just aren't there, but, but he comes up big, but how about this team playing um, without Jaden Epps, who had really become playing in the last uh, several weeks, such a major role in this team. Uh, they came together against, again, an NCAA caliber team um, and, and got it done even though they were exhausted at the end, because really he kind of stayed with the same danger. Didn't see the bench in overtimes. It was Rogers coming in as part of that five on the floor. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you can, man, this is a, it's tough when you play it many minutes. Coleman Hawkins had to be exhausted, but you see that these guys, he's, once you get a group that you're comfortable with, you kind of let them roll in these overtime games. And there's no point making that those changes, but this team needs, you know, they need Epps to come back because they need that depth down the stretch and every guy can score. But the reality is this team's going to go as far as Meyer and Shannon take them and, and getting the extra stuff's there, but you know, from what, from the freshman, but those two seniors, if they can lead them, they get hot and they play well, like they did in that second over into the first overtime, second overtime when Illinois went on, like, I think it was like a 10 0 run over that span or maybe it was 12. That, that's how they can make a run in, in March. Yeah. And especially look, when you get 45 points out of two guys, and they shoot as well as as they did, um, and and you know kind of make up for any deficiencies by going to the free throw line a lot. Um, you know, again, not only did they score, both both uh, Meyer and Shannon both had seven rebounds each. Shannon had four assists. You know, they each had a block shot and a steal. That's the type of contributions that that Brad Underwood was thinking of when he got them to commit out of the portal and. Uh, that plan looks pretty good when they play like that. No question about it. Matthew Meyer, 24 points. Shannon, 21. Mention Melendez also. He had 12. Let's look ahead now to West Lafayette. Uh, Brad, you and I will be there um, in the house at Mackey. Um, what do you want I have to do to take down this Purdue team and finish up strong with back-to-back wins over really quality opponents and uh, and go 12-8 and eight in conference heading into the into the tournament? I think the big thing is, you know, you have to find a way to slow down Zach Eady so it makes it hard on him, much like they've done, they did with um, Hunter Dickinson. You know, Hunter Dickinson had 31 points, 16 rebounds, but he had five turnovers. They made it hard on him, made it difficult for him to find open guys. They didn't allow guys to play off of him. I think you want to do that. He's a little different, you know, than Eady, but they want to make Eady, make it hard, make him take a lot of shots, not shoot 70% from the floor. And force the freshmen and the other guys to beat them with contested shots. Run them off the line a little bit, make them shoot pull-up jumpers, all those types of things. But the biggest thing for Illinois is just coming out with the energy they had when they were on the road at Iowa and Indiana, and then against Michigan the other night. So when they put that kind of effort, they have a chance to win. Yeah, Illinois, the the, the biggest thing that scares me is, is I guess, two things. One is it's 11.30 in the morning, um, which – Illinois, sometimes the early starts have interfered with their wake-up time. Um, and then the other thing is, Edie scares me because if you don't, at seven foot four or whatever he is, if you can't force him out onto the court, he can literally just kind of drop the ball down into the hoop. And, and even Dickinson just doesn't have that type of size. So I'm a little bit nervous there, and I think Brad hit it on the head. I'd rather see if the freshman can carry – uh, this team from outside and I would double team Edie probably during the warmups and, and, um, <laughs> and then continue that 
through to the press conference after the game. <laughs> He'll be sitting on the bench pregame. There, two Illinois guys are right there. <laughs> We're taking no chances. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> That's right. 11.30 a.m. Uh, tip-off in the central time zone. If you are just across the state line, it's at 12.30. And by the way, this game is on Fox. And as we mentioned, one of six uh, big games uh, on Sunday is going to determine a lot. Um, you know, one of these teams will finish uh, second, another third, fourth, uh, all the way down to, to seventh or eighth. I mean, it is just uh, it's crazy what's what's on the what's on the line. And again, if you're one about tie breaks, it's really hard to kind of look ahead to see what the tie break would be, because it depends on which teams are in the tie break. Um, you know, the, the bad thing is that Illinois, um, you know, they did uh, they've lost twice to Indiana. They're in the mix, lost to Iowa, lost to Maryland. That's bad. But you did just beat you did beat Michigan. You beat Northwestern once, and maybe you can come in and uh, and you can also beat uh, Michigan State. So, question for you two bracketologists: If Illinois were to go out and win this game, and it's the national game on Fox, going across the country, does that give maybe an intangible for for these guys who are putting together the NCAA tournament, or are they immune to these? type of, you know, oh, the win that's on national TV that they they themselves might even get a chance to to watch part of. I really don't think that matters. I I, I mean I, I'm sure that there's some subliminal thing where maybe they maybe it does, but I don't really think it does. I think they're looking at the 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 uh you know what the what the paper says. They look at these they do the blind resume. But the other thing that the one thing that does matter is having guys they look at teams that that can win like and so i do think having epps back you know if they say you know if next week we find out epps is going to play i think that helps because they say okay there's another guy you know they're not a team that's lesser now if they beat purdue without epps nobody may care but you know so this is uh this is it's going to be interesting to see how the whole bracketology thing uh plays out because i i, I illinois is the strangest resume with their uh, top level wins and then no really bad losses, but you, you just wonder what happened in some of these games in, in the middle. Yeah. I'm with Brad that one game doesn't matter, but here's what does is that now if you can win at Purdue, which is a tough place to play, regardless of how good the Bullermakers are in any given year. Um, now you bookend your season with the giant win in mid November over UCLA. And then on the end, another big win at a top 10 Purdue team. So I think for resume wise, when you look at just the numbers on paper, because no one's going to watch, they may watch some, but no one watches every game that's involved in the process. But that does help you in terms of you've got those those two wins. We've got to take a timeout. This segment again presented by Busey Bank. We appreciate uh, their support of the Sports Spectacular. Hey, just on the way coming up, we are going to talk uh, women's basketball. The Illini women uh, up there and trying to get to a record 24 wins. That's the program record. We'll talk with the Diane McKenzie, the Illini gal, and we'll talk with Matt Stevens of the Illini guys. Again, the only uh, Illinois media in Minneapolis covering the women's Big Ten tournament. Daryl, join us next right here on the Sports Spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. 
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Don't forget, it is March Madness. That means the third annual Illini Guys Bracket Challenge. $1,000 we put out of our pockets on the table just for you. But you got to be an Illini Guys member to join. So sign up, IlliniGuys.com. Do it fast because you got to be fully paid to make sure that you get in on the goodies. Submit your bracket after the uh, selections are made, and uh, and good luck. $1,000 right there. Come take our money, IlliniGuys.com. Look at it this way. You can spend 10 bucks in your office pool and have nothing, or spend $10.99 for one month, get a chance at, your, at, the, at the big bracket pool, plus get all the inside information from all of our great insiders. It's a no-brainer. We're all about value here, IlliniGuys.com. Hey, the Illini women having having one of their best seasons ever, the Illini women's basketball team, 22 wins already after Thursday night's uh, route, the third route in a row uh, this season of Rutgers, 81-55. That set a record for the biggest Big Ten tournament win, fellas, um, ever for the Illini basketball team. What a season in Shauna Green's first year. It's fun to watch. I mean, they they are so fun to watch. They get up and down the floor. They you know, they shoot it well, um, and, and they're undersized, but it doesn't slow them down. You know, they play fast. They get after it. Um, they work really hard. Um, it's been great to watch. Shauna Green, just what a magical season they've put together. 22 wins, 24 being the school record. They're right there. We've got a chance. Yeah, and when I was I tuned in, um, you know, after the other Illini game earlier in the evening, and, you know, you, you get into sports and you can be one of two things. You can be the hammer or you can be the nail. And to be honest with you, the, the Illini were the hammer. And I almost felt sorry for Rutgers because they were the nail and they were getting pounded. You know, when we talked to Adalia McKenzie last week uh, after the, the game, um, uh, the big win at Rutgers, ironically, to finish the regular season, she said then that Coach Green – uh, said, "Hey, listen, get your rest and be ready." They were sharp. They 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 looked just like you said. They were they were in control the entire game. Again, a Rutgers team that they played very well against. But it was a, what a great start um, for this team that's just really having so much fun uh, still at this time of year. And again, so without uh, some key players. Um, hey, we talk about Adalia all the time because she is the Illini gal. We want to give her her props. Four members of the team named to All Big Ten teams: Makaira Cook, Kendall Bostic. Genesis Bryant, and yes, Adaya McKenzie. Adaya joins us now. Adaya, congratulations. That is awesome. Thank you so much. All right, talk about the game. You got that dub. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> but honestly, it was a good one. Like, being a team like that in this time of the year, it just shows, like, where we're at and just how good we are, you know. But it feels good to have another win and, you know, advancing in the tournament. Good vibes. Now you guys obviously, have, you know, you you finish strong here with you know get Rutgers a couple times and you finish regular season strong with that win. Um, how are you guys, you know, health wise? I know you got a couple people out and you're kind of battling through that. How's that make you? Does it kind of bring you guys a little bit even closer together and say we got to find a way to fight through it or what's the thought process? Yeah, honestly, that is the thought process. Like we see this as an opportunity to just get better, get better, and grow together. And we know we got a couple, we got a couple players down, so we know we all gotta just come together, be united, and just take this opportunity to just be our best and just push through the adversity. 
You know, it was an interesting game. Looking at the stat sheet, you guys were on fire from the field, shooting uh, 59.6%. Just an incredible night. Yet you guys out actually outshot yourself uh, at the free throw line. You only shot 57%. So apparently, do you guys like to be guarded more than being up there all by yourself at the free throw <laughs> line with nobody bothering you? <laughs> yeah, we definitely like being guarded. It's way better than being at the free throw line. <laughs> it's the, yeah. it's the challenge. It's the that's right. Degree of difficulty. Uh, Adai, I know this weekend is special for you. You're from Minneapolis, so you're playing there in front of your family. Um, you won a pair of state titles in high school there, I, I, as I understand. Of course, uh, name Miss Basketball. What did it mean to come in and get a chance to play in this building that you grew up? You know, saying, "Hey, I, you know, I'd like to play there one day," and and where you've had you had great personal success. Yeah, it felt good playing out there, and I just love how bright the lights are in the gym. Like, it just always get me, gets me hyped up. And you know, in the future, I plan to play on those courts professionally. So, there you go. getting to start, you know, but it's really good vibes playing at home. So, as you get as you you know move forward, I mean, you got the NCAA tournament on the horizon. You know, you know, we'll we'll probably talk uh, next week about that, but. Uh, what what are your are you kind of you, you haven't played an NCAA tournament before so what's the what's the mindset right now? Yeah, I always say this, but the mindset is just to go one and zero every day. But just thinking about the the idea of like us playing an NCAA tournament, like you know, that was my goal. You know, this year just making the tournament and making the tournament, winning it, of course. But like just making the NCAA tournament, like we haven't done that in so long as a team and just to have the chance to do it this year would be so huge. And it's just so exciting to think about. You know, the other thing is, is you guys obviously are unified as a team. And, and, and so the, the surprise, if you, would you be surprised if we had told you four of, of the uh, fighting Illini would make the all big, you know, be on the all big 10 teams. Oh man. I'm just gonna say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just to know like four of us did, like that was just like mind blowing, you know, like just amazing. I just love this team. So Dad, you move on to the quarterfinals now and uh Friday night, um taking on uh uh a Maryland team that you lost to uh just a few weeks ago. What did you learn about that game in College Park that'll help you in in this contest? Yeah, honestly, just taking care of the ball. You know, they have a really good press, and uh, we turn the ball over, and they capitalize on those turnovers in that game. So approaching this game, just making sure we take care of the ball, make smart plays, and stay in attack mode, you know. But, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that game, you know. Bounce back, get that revenge. Yeah. Well, you guys look great last night, and again, that game tonight on Big Ten Network. Adalia, stay with us. We want to bring in Matt Stevens. Uh, who is significant because he is the only Illini media member who is there at the Big Ten tournament, uh, all by his lonesome. But we appreciate, Matt, you representing our football writer analyst wearing a different hat for us this week. And we appreciate these lens, uh, lends his talents to this. Matt, you you were right there uh, courtside. What did you see in this game? They looked really good. Yeah, I, I thought Illinois did a really, really good job of I've seen them before be be tentative. I've seen our own Illini gal be a little tentative when it comes to, you know, playing offense against the zone. 
Um, the first three possessions, they 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 whipped the ball around the perimeter. They finally got the ball to Dahlia, and she took she took it right to the hoop. Um, you saw an aggressiveness out of Illinois' key players. You saw an aggressiveness out of Adelia. You saw an aggressiveness out of Makaira Cook. You saw an, you saw the ability for Genesis Bryant to see the first three that she shot go in, and then from that point on, she's she's always confident if the first one goes in. And um, I was really shocked that that Rutgers never got out of the zone. They just kind of let Illinois shoot. Um, you know, Adelia says that they like to be guarded. I don't know how much they were guarded. I, I felt like they got <laughs> open looks. Um, but that was to their to their own credit because they've they've really worked on their zone offense. I talked to Shauna Green on Tuesday, and and the ball was really popping. All five players, um, and and I felt like they got off to a great early start. I talked to Shauna after the game, and she said the shoot around was just awesome. And and when when it's that way, she gets a feeling that they're going to play pretty well. Um, and and they needed to come out and and then set a tone early. And then I thought the other key was again our own our own you know Alani Gal and her four other starter friends are all sitting next to Shauna Green with seven minutes left to go in this game, and and they they needed to get off their feet because they've got a really big opponent in Maryland, um, you know, on, on Saturday, and they're going to be fully rested, I believe. They they played, they emptied the bench with seven minutes left to go, and and, and I feel like that's for a team that's that hasn't been that deep all year, and they're missing two key players. Uh, they really set the tone early in the first three quarters and, and made this a laugher and a blowout and. Um, Shauna was able to kind of figure out how to plan for Friday, even on Thursday night, um, even though coaches hate to say that they were doing that. I, I felt like she's trying, she tried everything she could to make a deep run um, with this team that she's got. And I think that if they shoot it like they did tonight against Rutgers, they've got a chance to beat anybody. Well, I asked you in the tunnel, Adalia, how many people were there? Um, you, you said like 10 to 15, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a building that, You've put forty nine up on it, in, and you you always feel good playing in that place. Yeah, I really do, and you know, just having your family and friends out there supporting you. There's nothing better than that, you know, just coming home playing. But I just love that court so much, and I actually have for the Maryland game, I have um, I think like twenty plus people coming in that game. So, <laughs> you know, Adalia, one quick question for you. Um, how cool is that that you and your teammates were able to get so much playing time for folks on the bench so they can get some experience on the big stage of the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, that was huge. And I think our bench, they showed up, you know, like it was fun watching them. And, you know, I really feel like everyone on our bench, like everyone on the team can really go out there and play. And just we do things one way and everybody just rising up. But it was just fun to just ha see them get that experience. Well, Daya, enjoy uh, the games. Do you get see your, get a chance to see your family much uh, before, before the game or after the game? Uh, not really, just a little bit uh, after the game, but just trying to stay focused, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know they're there, and uh, great to see the support there. It's a it's a perfect way to to begin this postseason. We hope uh, ends in a, a very long run. Listen, we know you're busy, lots to do. We will talk with you uh, later on tonight uh, here on the uh, Sports Spectacular. Good luck on good luck against the Terrapins. Thank you. 
All right, Adalia McKenzie, the Illini gal, showing out uh, with a big night uh, in front of the home crowd. As again, Illinois gets the big win once again, uh, 81-55, largest Big Ten tournament win uh, in program history. 22nd win, as Brad mentioned, too shy of uh, the program record and what a season it has been. Hey, stay with us. We've got a lot more coming up. Thanks to Adalia. Thanks to Matt Stevens as well. We'll uh, be sure to go to IlliniGuys.com and get his coverage uh, there again. The only Illini member. If you want to find out what's happening with the Illini women's basketball team, IlliniGuys.com is your place. Stay with us. More to come after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it. If your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7-365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org urgent care. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Well, we are thrilled now to have on the show as it is March officially. We're in the season, if you will. Uh, it is, uh, if December's to remember, then March is, I don't know, something you never forget, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he is the godfather of brackets, Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com. Jerry, great to have you on the show. Um, boy, great to catch up with you here in the break as uh, we go way back. Tell, let's start first. Tell our, our audience uh, just kind of how you got started doing this. Yeah, it's funny. Um, back in 1994, or really 93, um, the they had just changed the RPI formula. Then I had a brand new computer and a new database, and Al Gore just invented the internet. And I had all this new stuff I wanted to try out. Um and so I thought, well, I could create a database and maybe calculate the RPI. I had a, I mean, I'm a big basketball fan, of course. So, you know, I thought, well, I had to, you know, I had to go to the library to gather the old scores to enter into my database because we didn't have team websites and stuff you could download. And uh, so I hand entered everything into my database and I calculated the RPI, shared it on news groups, which was, you know, the caveman writing on the wall version of. Um, message boards now and I uh, thought nobody would care I mean you know not enough people to fit in my minivan would care and it turns out people cared and they started asking for emails and I wasn't going to do emails and then the next year AOL gave everybody a one-page website so I had a one-page website and I would just put the RPI up there and 
uh, did a bracket that year. My first bracket is 1994. So this is my 30th year of doing brackets. Mm. Um, it's, uh, and I, but I was working, you know, I had a job. I, I worked for lawyers and bankers uh, coming out of Purdue. Um, so this was a hobby and I was just doing it for fun and for my own edification. And, um, but it kind of picked up traction, you know, as I got further along and then, you know, 98 comes along and I start doing football because the BCS started and it was pretty similar uh, in terms of just collecting the data. So I started doing that too. And then in 2002, I got downsized because uh, my, I got bought by one bank too many apparently and my job got moved away. But um, so, uh, but that was March 1st, 2002. So today actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I went to the final four that year and started talking to people and seeing about, you know, if I turn my websites into subscription sites, cause they weren't at the time, do you think I could, I could make that work? And since what I was doing was pretty unique still, um, I did, I turned them into subscription sites and, uh, all I did a little work on the side outside of that. I mean, that was my prim primary, uh, source of income for, until I got, uh, bought out by CBS. Uh, it wasn't technically a buyout, but um, I went full-time CBS in 2011. Um, I did a bunch of freelancing for other outlets, but also CBS for a few years and finally got to a point where it's like, we just want you full-time. So I've been full-time CBS since 2011. Um, and it's just, I would have never, ever guessed that something like this would take off uh, the way it has. Um, I never I didn't really over pursue it. It wasn't like, this is my goal. I'm going to make this a job. This was my goal was to kind of educate myself on how all of this worked. And I just shared the information and enough people liked it that it turned into a job. But, um, you know, I, it was, this wasn't like some lifelong, I mean, nobody grew up wanting to be the bracket guy. We didn't have bracket guys. Right. Yeah. Up, it was in the know. paper. Like, I mean, maybe people do now. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, I have kind of a weird life. Um, but certainly my job history, you know, it's like I, I have a unique career path. So if you're trying to follow my career path, um, well, you might have some problems. <laughs> well, I remember that I discovered you because I started doing my own brackets in 98. I was tired of watching Dick Vitale and Digger Phelps tell me that every single team was in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in between games. It still happens, by the way. And it still it's does. Not, it's not them. Well, Dick's still yeah. doing it. Of course, yeah. But I mean, it's, but there are more people that are. Um, yeah, it's actually most broadcasts. The, the, whoever the broadcast team is panders to the audience when it comes to that sort of I thing. Agree. So I, I agree. So, yeah. you know, and it's not, um, I don't think it's really doing them a service uh, to pander to the audience that way, but that's what they do. Well, nobody, nobody digs into the, you're, you're farther into the rabbit hole than I am. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty deep and, uh, but I know I'll never catch you, but that was the thing that really got me going. Um, and that's how I did, discovered you and had you on headline news a few times, uh, mm -hmm. to discuss this. I thought what you did was just fascinating. And I remember the conversation we had at the final four, 2003 in new Orleans, and we were sitting at there in the, um, in the quarter and having a drink and trying to figure out how to get you into CBS. I remember going in the <laughs> next night, the title game, Syracuse, Kansas, and said, you got to get this guy a press match. You got to get this guy in. And I don't know if it helped, but I remember you were actually in, in 04, you had a press yep. pass. And then from there on, yep. the rest is history. So yeah. So yeah, the first couple of years after I got downsized, I went to the, I've been to every final four since 2002. Right. Uh, and the one before that, that happened in Indianapolis, but um, the, but yeah, I, I had press passes, I think since 04. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. For the yeah, final was... four, except for the pandemic one, because right. they didn't have very many people covering it. So I actually went to that one also as a fan. 
yeah. uh, in Indianapolis. But um, yeah, the otherwise um, press passes since 2004. Yeah. It was, so thanks yeah. for your help. You, I, I'm, you're very welcome. <laughs> we joke. And about I ended it. up at CBS. It so. was which is great, which is well, and I think, and that's where the rest of our audience really um, gets a chance to enjoy what 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 some of us had discovered. You now have a bigger audience, and, um, and you do such great work because you're you're much more objective um, than some others who do this. And I know you really do your homework. Um, you're a Purdue guy. You don't elevate Purdue artificially. You put Purdue where yeah. uh, where they should be. Um, my biases don't help. Do my job. <laughs> so right. I have to set them aside. Otherwise, I just couldn't do it. Right. How could you tell I'm a Purdue guy? Does my background give me away? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for those who for those who can't see, and for those who don't know, Jerry Palm uh was in the marching band at Purdue. And as I'm looking at him right now, as we're talking here via Zoom, he has a big giant Purdue, the big drum. It's the big right. drum, the big yeah. bass drum. Yeah, the big bass background. drum yeah. right there. Yeah. So uh which is which is pretty <laughs> cool. Obviously, talking with Jerry Palm of CBSports.com, uh the bracketologist, and uh, it is that time of year. Uh, you went to Purdue. Great segue. Um, I know that it's a it. You don't do it because you're a boilermaker, but certainly Purdue right now, um, deserving of that number one C that you've got them projected. Um, look, they've run into a you know a bit of a uh, some stumbles here lately as some of the Big Ten teams have kind of figured out how to defend them and um, some of the freshmen started to play like freshmen for Matt Painter. Um, what do they have to do to hold on to that number one seed? There's some buzz out there that maybe uh, UCLA could come in and and uh, grab that, or maybe uh, you know they may slide to that two line if they don't finish up strong here this weekend and in the tournament next week. Yeah, they definitely have to get things turned around. Um, it's you know they've lost four of their last six. Two of those four were to Indiana, and the two of those games were really because of turnovers. Um, the first half at Indiana, they had 11 turnovers and. You know, they got all the way back to within one point in the second half when they stopped turning the ball over but couldn't get over the hump. Against Northwestern, they had 12 second-half turnovers and four inside of the last four minutes when they were trying to protect an eight-point lead, and they couldn't protect it. So, you know, that was just sloppy play. And the turnovers aren't all the freshman guards. It's a, it's a team effort. In fact, Zach Eady had five turnovers in one of those games and six in the other. So, you know, it's, it's not just – uh, the guards, but that was just sloppy. The Maryland game that, you know, Mason Gillis gets a technical foul. Maryland just buzzsaws them after that. That's the one game all year that Purdue was just never in. Um, and then the Indiana home game, Indiana shot 50% from the floor, 46.5% from three. And Purdue didn't have quite as good a shooting day as they normally do. Um, so, but still, it was an eight point game. So, you know, now IU had a you know, led the whole second, well, most of the second half in in, in that comfortable range of eight to 12. I don't know if Purdue ever got closer than eight, but, you know, that's, I mean, that's one of those where just sometimes it's the other team's day. I mean, Indiana shot the ball really well. Uh, Hood Shafino was unstoppable. So, you know, it, it, you just got to shake that off and move on. And now they go to Wisconsin, which has been a house of horrors for Purdue. Um, they're like five of their last 19 wins, I think, at, at Wisconsin. Uh, which might even predate the Cole Center. Uh, but it's it's a, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Purdue's got to go in there and find a way to win. Um, the one um, player that seems to have come back to the pack a little bit is Fletcher Lawyer, uh, whose shooting has not been uh, as good of late. So he might be getting some of the freshman legs. Um, so they, they obviously need him. Uh, Braden Smith uh, can score, but he's he, – there's he, – facilitates he sees that as his primary role and there are times where painters saying hey we need you to score you know you got to shoot but 
but Lawyer and Smith were uh, both had terrible shooting days against Indiana. And it would have only taken a mediocre shooting day for Purdue to overcome Indiana's hot, sh- but it just didn't happen. So now they're going to go to Wisconsin. Um, Purdue is still built to do well, but they have to execute better. It's as simple as that. Um, and, you know, hope that they don't run into what Iowa gave Indiana last night. My goodness. Right. That was uh, um, that was shooting like I, probably nobody's done all year. That was against quality opposition. Uh, what Iowa did last night against Indiana was remarkable but I'm, I'm not worried about Purdue that I think Purdue will be fine but um they need to go back to they, they got to be cleaner in their execution and they got to start hitting some threes yeah and uh and that game by the way Iowa was at Indiana not an in, right. uh, Hawkeye and of course then Purdue this weekend uh coming up on Sunday they finish up against Illinois and again should right. be the one seed I, I you know it just would take Purdue losing both games and somebody else winning two games and uh, you know as we talk here before the weekend, as we, you and I have this conversation on Wednesday, um, right. so a couple of days before this show airs. So we're um, uh, looking at that. I think Purdue, we know is going to be the number one seed. A couple of, of conferences that I think would be difficult to parse through the teams. And you've got a lot of teams in contention. Obviously, the Big Ten, extremely competitive uh, with eight or nine teams uh, really in the mix there. Um, probably at least eight bids going in. Uh, and then the Big 12, where, my goodness, I mean, they are yeah. top to bottom. It is loaded. How do you parse through those teams in a, in a year like this when um, they're all so very competitive um, and, yeah. and doing very well in terms of uh, the net ratings? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, the, the, the league performed well in non-conference play. And that's why everything, you know, and all, then all of that carries through uh, in the rankings as you play conference games. So I think they've got nine teams in the top 25 or 30 of the net and um, – or maybe it's top 50. I mean, Texas Tech is kind of on the outside a little bit, but, okay. you know, it's it's just remarkable. I mean, you're playing quad one games almost every time you take the floor, no matter where you take the floor. And that's, that's it's so you, it's a pretty easy to resume build, but it's hard to win. So, you know, Kansas has got just five losses. To me, they should be the overall number one seed. The committee gave us Alabama and Houston uh, on the, uh, the 18th, um, February. The Saturday, and um, you know, nothing has really changed as to why they picked Alabama and Houston, except for that Kansas is still piling up wins. So, um, but when Purdue lost it at home to Indiana, I put them from number three overall to four, and actually would have dropped them down had Texas won on the weekend, but they also lost. They're the closest chaser. And as for UCLA, I mean, UCLA has got a really good record, and the net likes them. Uh, one thing about the net in a minute, but the thing about UCLA is no bad losses at USC is the worst. Um, that's a bubble team, but you know, that's not a bad loss, but their best win is Maryland or now maybe Kentucky, but they beat the Kentucky before Kentucky started playing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to make a case as the number one seed when that's your best win. And all of these other teams ahead of you, have got these really good wins. You know, it's, it's, I, so until they beat Arizona, which is the only team that could, you know, where that, uh, that win would yeah. match up with anybody else, I don't think you can take UCLA as a serious number one seed candidate. When they get Arizona at home this weekend, my team again in the conference tournament. But it's a, a, to me, it's a pretty soft resume for a number one seed. I yeah. mean, obviously they're, and I think they're a great team. I've seen, I saw them live, uh, 
in, in LA when they played USC at home. Um, but they're, they're good. There's no question they could win the whole thing. But at some point, your resume has to stack up, and right now it doesn't. We're talking with expert bracketologist Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com. Time for a local station break, and then back with more from Jerry all along the Illini Guys Radio Network. Hello, this is John Makovic, former coach of the Fighting Illini, and I sure enjoy listening to the Illini guys on their Sports Spectacular. Welcome back now to the show. We are here with Jerry Palm. He is the uh, chief bracketologist, if you will, at CBSSports.com. Been with them since uh, 2004, and you may recall is the originator of the CollegeRPI.com website that was so popular uh, 20 years ago uh, before he joined CBS. Uh, you know, Jerry, back then it was uh, you know about the RPI and now there's this thing called uh, called the net that they've used as a tool to help decide which teams get at large bids. Tell us about the net. The net was created to replace the RPI. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it serves in that same role. Right. Um, so the net is used to determine which quadrant your opponents go into. So, you know, people get worked up. They did with the RPI and they do now with the net that the, you know, the net should be, the thing that drives the selection process. It's like, well, my net ranking is really good. Why are we so low? Well, the net is heavily influenced by margin of victory. So, um, I mean, if you look at data points that are readily available, I mean, it's not technically margin of of victory, it's net efficiency, and then they do sophisticated things with it. Net efficiency is a different way to measure margin of victory. Margin of victory is scoring margin per game. Net efficiency is scoring margin per possession. Um, and it's estimated possessions are estimated because they're not on a box score. So there's a formula for that, but you know, it's still margin of victory. So if you look at like the average margin of victory and you'll see like the top 10 teams, those are almost identical to the top 10 teams in the net. Right. But their resumes may not stack up, you know, St. Mary's is a good example. Uh, but so it, so you can't get too worked up in the metrics because they, they aren't a decisive thing, but they are important because they determine which quadrant, Right. Your team goes in, and, and, and um, but the, so the net is is better than the RPI. It's a little more sophisticated, but it still has its flaws in determining, yeah, you know, because the committee's process is still results oriented, right. and the net is has got a results oriented component to it, but it's it's not a very strong. Yeah, here here's my question. I want to get to is when you talk about the net and and the and the the process. Um, you know, I back when the RPI played a bigger role. Um, if you played, you know, I mean, one year, I think it was maybe 2017, 2018, like, I mean, K-State and, and, and Florida State had like, I mean, you know, 10 wins or eight wins outside the, the, the top 100. Uh, and they're actually, it was sort of like five outside the top 200. And NC State one year lost it, lost a bid. They were a bubble team that didn't get picked because they had so many losses or so many wins, I'm sorry, that were way, way outside the, the, top, the right. top 200. Does the quad four wins, if you have 10 quad four wins, lower, lesser wins, does that hurt you in terms of sure. a team has only has only five and oh instead of this team being yeah. 10 and oh against quad four? No question, because your, your schedule's not as strong. Yeah. And the net, by the way, the RPI was never any more important than the net is now. I mean, RPI was never decisive. It's, right. it's, the net is being used the same way right. the RPI used to be used. It's just a more sophisticated metric. But yes, if you've got a ton of quad four losses and oh, the other thing is we never referred to it as quad one or quad two, you know, until they until recently, until about the time the net came along or maybe a little before. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, um, but there's always been four buckets on the team sheet. So we, we yeah. just didn't refer to them as quadrants. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they um, 
if you have a weaker schedule and you can determine that oftentimes by seeing the number of quad four games. It's funny when I compare San Diego state to somebody, San Diego state's got like 10 quad three wins and only one in quad four. And then I'll compare them to, Oh, uh, almost any major school. And then they'll have like seven or eight quad four. Oh, like, uh, um, I want to say uh, Oklahoma State maybe has got a bunch of quad four wins, you know, and they play in the Big 12. So they've got, you know, a heavy, oh, you know who's got it? It's Iowa State. Iowa State has got five total games in quads two and three. So they've got like, you know, 15, 16, 17 in quad one, and then another 10 to 12 in quad four. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just how you, you, you've got left this big gap in your schedule. And it's kind of hard, you know, but when you've got but Iowa State's on the bubble now because, you know, their record's not very good. It's not very good against the top three quadrants, which has had a dividing line over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point, I, you, your schedule's really tough, but you have to be up to it enough to have a good enough record to get picked. And that's currently the problem for Oklahoma State, could be a problem for West Virginia, and it could end up being a problem for Iowa State if they don't get some things turned around because they've lost eight out of ten and are starting to slide precipitously down the bracket. Yeah, and again, it's so it's such a tough conference. Talking with Jerry Palm here with the CBSSports.com. You know, I remember, do remember um, one thing about the RPI you could you could count on is if a team had five losses outside the top hundred, you were not getting an at large bid. And one year I was screaming at ESPN and their their post coverage, you know, after CBS went off the air because all these guys, by the way, from the ACC. None could figure out why Syracuse got left out. I'm screaming because yeah. they have five losses outside the yeah. top hundred. Nobody gets in with five yeah. losses outside the top hundred. So, um, yeah, it actually happened once. USC got in one year with six. But you're right. I mean, that was a that was a, a pretty historically hard line. Yeah, you know, that, but they, and they, that. But um, they had a better resume than Syracuse that year. Overall resume than what Syracuse yeah. the year I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So the um, it, yeah, it's and bad losses are still a thing. You know, yeah. we measure it differently with a different formula. Right. But um, but bad losses, you know, do a lot of damage. You look at New Mexico. New Mexico's got four bad losses. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. And they, two of those losses, their starting point guard, who is, leads the team in assists and second in scoring, didn't play. And they just took two bad losses. And they still count. You know, it's unfortunate, but they still count. It's going to be hard for them to overcome it. Um, you know, it's funny. We talk about schedules. Uh, one team we're talking a lot about these days is Charleston, which is 27 and three, 30 games, three games that are quad one and two, all of the others, 27 games and two losses, by the way, quad three and four. And it's like, well, why aren't 27 and three? Why aren't they in that large team? Their strength of schedule is 337 as we speak today. That's bottom 10% of division one, the record for the best or the, the worst schedule to get into the NCAA tournament in the 30 years that I've been doing this was like 229 in 1994, the very first year that team was Charleston. So um, that's a <laughs> nice coincidence, but you know, this, 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 this is just not an at large team because they didn't play a good enough schedule. Yeah. There's just nothing to them. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, I've got, I've got a running out of time here, but I do want to get a question. Um, obviously we can find your stuff, cbssports.com. When do you kind of solidify your final bracket? picks is it noon sunday or what's your process because obviously 6 p.m eastern time is when it comes out yeah. uh when do you, um, you try to get sunday your- morning right away i'll i'll have something that's final ish um there are contingencies based on the games going on that day perhaps just like the committee has you know they'll do like eight brackets or whatever for 
to deal with potential Sunday results. Um, so I, I may have a, a change later in the day based on a, res, a result from one of the games. But um, for the most part, Sunday, it's it, everything is pretty well locked up. Okay. Okay. Well, we can't wait for that. Uh, by the way, I will throw this out. My 13th Dirty Dozen comes out Sunday night uh, on a selection night. Houston likely is going to be is going to be dirty, and it's as you know the dirty does you know what the dirty doesn't it's never missed, um and and I I think Houston's going to make that list now the numbers are it's 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 too early to be definitive you got to wait till everything comes right. up, but I, right. I I think it's uh, anyway that's that's I'm I'm deeper down that rabbit hole over here <laughs> this one, this one <laughs> all here. right I'll look forward to that list yeah, there you go we'll see if we send can me your list thirteen I, uh, I make sure I yeah it's and it's I do my Facebook page. And we put it on AtlantaGuys.com now um, for starters since people there are uh, paying subscriptions. But it will be out there. Just keep searching. But I'll make sure you get a copy because all right, thanks. go way back. Hey, Jerry, I know you've got to run. Uh, we've got to get going as well. Hit a commercial break. Great to talk with you. Uh, thanks again for giving us your expertise over all these years. And um, and good luck with – now, final question. How many years have you hit all the entire field correctly? Have you predicted uh, – I think four or five. I rarely miss more than one. I know you're always right yeah. there. I did it once, only only one time, and so at least I can say one time I, I caught you. But but I'll always <laughs> be behind. Jerry Palm, great to talk with you. CBSSports.com, and uh, enjoy the games in March. All right, thank you. All right, hey, stay with us. Quick time out, and much more to come after this. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets. To securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Nobody covers the Fighting Illini women's basketball team like IlliniGuys.com. More than once this season, the Illini guys have been the only Illinois media in the house. Post-game reports after every game, feature stories, recruiting updates, interviews, and exclusive one-on-ones with the Illini gal herself, sophomore star guard Adalia McKenzie. It's been an historic season for the Illini and head coach Shauna Green, and we're there every step of the way to the postseason and beyond. Sign up today at IlliniGuys.com. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Hegley, right back here with you as we continue. Uh, we just got through talking with Jerry Palm of uh, CBS Sports. Great to have Jerry on on the show and um, and to get his insights. Guys, I want to ask you what what we just uh, asked him. Um, Purdue. Let's start with Purdue right now. Uh, at one point, was number one overall seed, but as he mentioned, um, going into uh, the game Thursday night, um, lost four of their last six. Uh, teams got to figure out how to play them a little bit. What is what do you think Purdue has to do in these next this next week and a half to hold on to that number one seed come uh, Selection Sunday? Man, I, I think that it it may let, depend less on what Purdue does. Obviously, if they win out, then win the Big Ten tournament, probably going to get a one seed. But it may depend on like what a team like does UCLA win out? Does do they win the Pac-12 tournament and, and they finish that out? Well, if that happens and they win all their games, well, maybe they jump Purdue if Purdue loses to anybody during that stretch. So I, I think that's where it sits. I, I think you're so it's like people always talk about the bubble too. Well, the bubble isn't always about just your team. What other teams do matters as well because everybody's and everybody thinks, well, my team's going to lose. We're going to not make the tournaments. Like everybody except for one team in the conference is going to lose at least one game in the next like 10, 12 days. Everybody's losing. It's just the way it is. And so you got to understand that. Yeah, because I look at it as, you know, 
you know, UCLA and Purdue are supposedly, you know, playing for that last number one. But if they both look impressive over the next week and a half, they could both end up in and, you know, Kansas, Alabama, Houston can't afford to let their guard down. What I think is amazing is that, you know, Bill Self has kind of demonstrated why he's Bill Self. He's got this team that maybe wasn't as, you know, well thought of as other Kansas teams. And then they're back in the in the mix to be a number one seed again. Um, you have to give him credit for that. And and I I tell you, the defense that Houston plays, they're fantastic to watch as a basketball fan. Uh, the same with Alabama. So it, it, there's a lot going on. And, of course, Alabama's got the controversy going around it as well. Will that be a distraction? Uh, there's a lot of storylines going into this this last week and a half, and you just got to stack wins. Yeah, I think, and getting back to Bill Self, you're right, 20 years now at Kansas, and like you said, say what you want, but he just it, it, it is find a way, they find a way every single time. And this is the year that I really thought, you know what, they've got Texas right there, uh, Baylor always is strong, um, they have these other teams, Iowa State had the hot start, TCU was big early on, but yet in the end, guess what? It's it's Kansas right there going into the weekend with a chance to secure uh, yet again another regular season championship, and they have to you know build another um, you know, build more rafters in uh, in fog to hold all the banners there uh, that that they win. Um, let's talk about in terms of you mentioned you know UCLA and 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 USC UCLA a team that I think deservedly so finally getting some respect. One question though is is their resume and in terms of uh, perhaps their biggest win was the one over USC. Yeah, they need to probably need to beat like Arizona, let's say for example, something like that. And the, if they can get that in the Pac-12 tournament, I think that that helps them or down the stretch here. Uh, I think if they can win that game, that that really changes the narrative. They got another quality win, but um, yeah, I, I think UCLA is really good though. I you just watched them play. I've seen them play live twice, so I, I kind of have a perspective. I, I know they you know they did lose to Illinois early, but. Um, then that you know they come out and beat Baylor, so I guess Baylor would probably be their you know best win there. But I, I think uh, when you look at these teams, I, I, where are we going to slot North Carolina? Are they a one or a two? Because you know we automatically put them. I mean, like they have they had like no quad one wins, and everybody had them in the tournament. Like they were zero and nine in quad one a week ago. It's like oh, they're probably on the bubble. What team is zero and nine in quad one and on the bubble? None. Nobody is. Yeah, there's uh you know, blue bloods do get a little bit of uh, uh, leeway, and I guess we'll see that. I think this this is one of those years where, unlike many, uh, you know, you've got five teams that could be a, a one seed, and only four are going to get it. Uh, and then the other thing is Marquette's kind of hard charging as well. You know, a couple unexpected stumbles, and, you know, maybe Marquette finds its way into that one line. I don't think it'll happen. But again, it's it, it's really hard to predict this year, as we've seen teams earlier in the week, you know, like Indiana gets blown out on their home floor. I don't know that anybody thought that was going to happen. So these conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament should be the uh, ultimate in entertainment. Iowa just scored again while you were talking. Mike. <laughs> they just scored another basket. 
it was almost like Drago against Rocky, right? You heard some <laughs> some screaming Hoosierish, and they just went on and you know just just, just destroyed him. And Hawkeye, I, I should say. It, it was um, it was more Drago against uh, Apollo. Apollo, yeah, Apollo yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, throw in the towel. Yeah. Throw in the towel. <laughs> exactly. Like Mike, Mike Woodson had the towel and he wouldn't throw it. He just didn't throw it from the sideline. <laughs> throw the towel. Same <laughs> trace. Throw in the beep towel. Exactly. So. Well, so much so much for Fran going to Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh we know that's not going to happen um you know give me one team that uh, and you bring up a great point with marquette i saw somewhere that marquette uh what a job shaka smart has done uh, a guy who was chased out of texas right before the uh before the cavalry came to get him um you know he was um in this what second year there what a job he's done i believe marquette highest ranking they've had since 1978 I believe, which is around the time that they won the last, uh, their only NCAA title. Um, give me a team that that you're watching to make a move here in conference week that um, maybe a team like a Marquette or like a, maybe an Arizona that, that we're not talking about right now that, that may make some noise here heading into Selection Sunday. I, I would say, my opinion, I, I think I still like St. Mary's. Does that make me crazy? I just think they have a lot of pieces and, and their analytics love them, you know, and they're top 10 on Ken Palm. I just really like St. Mary's. I think they're good. Um, I think they're, they're good. I, obviously everybody likes Kansas uh, and the other team that I like is I do like UCLA. I really like their makeup for the tournament. They have shot creators, they have athletes up front and they have a point guard who is very good. So you put those together. Those are probably the teams that I think, you know, that, I, maybe if UCLA is a two, I think they're an underseeded two. Um, but, uh, you know, so I guess. I'm going to take the uh, ultimate dark horse of Houston. I think that <laughs> I think their defense is just so physical, fast. It's just fearsome. And then you take a, a freshman like Jarris Walker, who I remember scouting at AAU tournaments, who couldn't shoot past eight feet. And all of a sudden now he's he's down in three pointers. Um, that team is much more multifaceted now than I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. A couple of good picks there, and you know Kelvin Sampson. I think people I don't think gets the credit um, as one of the few coaches who have taken two different programs in the Final Four. Um, I think people tend to forget what he did at Oklahoma. You know, twenty years ago, back in the uh, twenty uh, the two thousand two when Maryland won it all. Uh, they were there, and again in 2003 when Syracuse won it all. So um, I, I think you're right. He's somebody that maybe, maybe will get the props that uh, that he deserves. And, of course, stuff at, uh, that happened in Oklahoma and Indiana kind of taints that just a little bit. Uh, but NCAA Selection Sunday coming up he's, here. He's so likable, too. He really is, yes. So, <laughs> But I'm not, I'm not going to get in in the weeds with, with Kelvin. So, um, but, by the way, I did get a cell phone call from him just now. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm here all week. Stay with us. We'll talk uh, Purdue and their latest game and um, looking into the weekend in terms of one final round of games, uh, one final game, I should say, for each Big Ten team. We'll talk about that next right here. Stay with us. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. 
If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. The Sports Spectacular, powered by Illini Guys, is right back here. Larry, Mike, and Brad joining uh, all of you. and glad you're with us here on this weekend. Um, you know, so the, the Big Ten, it's the final weekend. We mentioned uh, earlier in the show, one game on Saturday that doesn't have a Big consequence. Michigan State's going to finish the season one game shy of a full slate because of the game they had to cancel a home game against Minnesota because of the horrific shooting on campus. Um, they're not going to get a chance to, to make that game up. Um, but then you get into uh, into Sunday and, you know, you've got six games that have a, a, a lot to, to uh, you know, to try, that may go a long way. It's going to go a long way to, to determine how this Big Ten tournament shapes up in terms of um, the top four seeds, the double buys, and then later on, as we mentioned before, um, even Purdue, the one seed, is going to have a real tough matchup the first time they step on the court because whoever's in that eighth seed is is going to go to the NCAA tournament as well and would be a tough out in the NCAA. No question. This is uh, – as somebody said uh, on Twitter, I saw – I don't know if the Big Ten is good or not, or, or they're just – or they're – they're just mediocre or they're really, or they're all good. You know, we've had years where we thought they weren't, they were really good and they didn't fare well. This might be the opposite year. This might be a year. They're maybe not as good perceived as good, but they have a really good tournament because they have so much depth. These guys are just beat, beat up on each other uh, for 20 games. But I, I look at these Sunday games I mean, there's some really good matchups and there's some teams that, are kind of in a must-win mode if they not only for Big Ten tournament seeding, but for to make the NCAA tournament, they can't afford to have you know Wisconsin can't afford to have a bad loss to Minnesota on Sunday. You know, does Rutgers is struggling? Do they they really kind of need to beat Northwestern at home? You know, uh, Penn State needs that win over Maryland. They need a signature win there. So it's a lot of fun, and we'll see what happens. And and two weeks ago, I would have said. Who cares about Nebraska and Iowa? But now Nebraska started to play a little better. Can they go out and try to be the spoiler and maybe not take Iowa out of the NCAA, but certainly they might be able to make that path a lot harder in the Big Ten that gets them to the NCAA. Maybe Nebraska gets over 500 too. They're, you know, they get over that 500 hump. Now they make the NIT and they get some extra games with Fred Hoiberg has done a really good job with that team down the stretch. And then I'm kind of intrigued by the uh, Indiana-Michigan game because, you know, we've we've not been super high on, uh, you know, Jawan Howard as a coach, but he's got a lot of talent on that team. 
And then how's Indiana, you know, they're going to be kind of feisty. Um, that is going to be a, a really good game. Because if, if I'm Indiana and I think, you know, if I paced uh, Michigan, I might be able to keep them out of the tournament this year. Um, I'm going to be fired up to play. Yeah, and, and Indiana coming off that game with Iowa, Iowa just scored again. They keep yeah, scoring know, every, time we, every time we're <laughs> talking. And they have to, you know, you, you talk about trying to, you know, leave it in the past, but that's really hard to do for, for anybody when you're a competitor and you get the doors blown off of you at home. So I, I assume Indiana is going to be very um, determined to, to do better on Sunday. Yeah, senior night, uh, a CBS game. So uh, CBS loves Michigan, so they'll be following that game. As we talked about in terms of the, um, you know, every game meaning something. I mean, all six games mean something. There, there's a one of the, one of the six pack for second place is in uh, every single game, except for Wisconsin, Minnesota. Even that has a consequence because the Badgers, after the close loss Thursday night, uh, you know, taking on Purdue at home. Now you go on the road. We just saw Minnesota right before the Purdue game, knock off Rutgers at home, and Battle had another huge game for the Gophers. That guy can't be stopped. So. It was constant something big to play for. Minnesota wants to go out uh, as a spoiler. And and so that's what makes it fun. It's funny. I, I was telling my wife that, you know, really every single night is a must-see in the Big Ten because literally anybody could beat anybody. I mean, we, we've seen Penn State almost knock off Purdue. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, I, I've never seen – I was talking to the Illinois um, – Illinois uh, assistant athletic director, Kent Brown this week. And we went back to, we're going back to maybe 2009. We had, there was like a four way tie for second place at 11 and seven in the big 10. That's the last time I remember anything like this, but it wasn't like this. I mean, there's, there's literally, you know, you got seven or eight teams vying for that top four. See, it's crazy. Yeah. And there's really no point in trying to predict who's going to be two, three and four, because you could do seven different permutations <laughs> and it really wouldn't matter, you know, but I do think there are some teams that are really constructed to be kind of scary. And I'm starting to think Iowa, when they shoot well, it doesn't matter that they don't play defense. Um, <laughs> and they may be able to, you know, could, could they finally break that curse and get to the second round for the first time in forever? What wouldn't it be just amazing if Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois all three had horrible starts uh, back in January if they wound up as a two, three, and four? I was going to ask you to predict two, three, and four, but I won't. I'll spare you. Um, after all, we really don't have enough time to go through. She mentioned all the possible. Well, if there's like 128 possible combinations still on the table, <laughs> so we'll see. Exactly. The one thing we do know is that one of either Michigan or Indiana will not be in that tie. Um, that's an elimination game, if you will. One of those will not be part of the mix. So we know that no more than five teams will be in it. The question is which of the other five joining Michigan and Indiana in that mix. And uh, we will know Sunday night and uh, and then head into Chicago. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick time out here and much more to come. Uh, a lot of different uh, topics, a few things that caught our eye uh, all around uh, the country, including uh, what's going on in the NBA right now. Um, Harmony. It's a beautiful thing. That's next. <laughs> hey, this is Mike Small, the golf coach of your Fighting Atlanta men's golf team. And you're listening to the Atlanta Guys Sports Spectacular. Well, some other uh, topics uh, all around the country right now. Uh, Mike, you were talking about the NBA and a new collective bargaining agreement um, possibly getting done 
this month, I remember the days back in the, you know, the late David Stern and Billy Hunter, this thing, you know, those things would drag on for weeks and months and possibly even after the season, they could get this thing done before the playoffs tip off. Yeah, that is, that is incredible. Of course, it would be great if you were a GM to plan your off season. Uh, there's a lot of things that according to the athletic that, that they were uh, almost agreed upon. The the two that jumped out to me uh, most was that finally, after years of saying this, that the NBA draft would, um, you know, be eligible for those 18 years or older, which would, you know, end the one and done system. Um, and it gives high schoolers quite a bit of options, uh, you know, as opposed to, to the past when you could just go to college. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting is they want to smooth out the rate by which the salary cap rises. So you don't have like a season with crazy contracts like 2016 when the salary cap went up so much that, that you know, average players got these contracts because the NBA owners couldn't protect from themselves offering bad contracts. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like, um, you know, back when Major League Baseball spent all that money right away and they, they were like, well, we, we have to because, you know, we have to spend that much. And it didn't make sense. Yeah, it, There are a lot of guys making some bank because of that, though, when that when they do have that break. I, I think the 18-year-old thing needs to happen. But I, I think it's going to be interesting. interesting. You think about it because now they, they have other options. They can go to college. What can a guy, what can a freshman make in college? Can he make a million dollars? Now, if he's not going to be a – if he's not a surefire, there are certain guys. I mean, I, LeBron James didn't need to play in college. He did okay, right? But there are a lot of guys, you know, maybe it would have helped Eddie Curry. And, and long-term, he might have had a longer NBA career by going to college. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, but you can start to see where somebody say, I need to develop a little bit. And while I'm developing, I'm going to make a, a million dollars a year for a couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see the choice they have. It also, what, what impact um, the overtime elite, those guys won't be in the, those leagues you know, like, uh, you know, that are there right now, like a Shaden Sharp that played there last year or something like that. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And and it's um, – I agree with that. I remember back in 2005 when I was covering the NBA Finals, and, boy, what a, what a difference it's been from back then when the late David Stern, commissioner of the NBA, and Billy Hunter actually had to go to Manhattan, um, had to lie to – all the big players who are around kind of chipping and chirping about what they wanted to do had to go to Manhattan and hide off in a, in a undisclosed hotel room, not a boardroom and spend all night hammering out the deals only with their principal lawyers sitting next to them. So um, what a difference that they're all kind of coming together this quickly and this easily. Look, there's so much money out there now with this TV deal. I mean, like you said, you've got, you know, you now have announcers, you know, the Charles Barkley types making $10 million a year. So if they're making 10 million. What are the players making? I mean, that's just how much money, is involved right now. Um, you know, great story. And uh, on CBSSports.com, we've had Dennis Dodd on several times, obviously Jerry Palm uh, coming on. Uh, Tom Fernelli had a great piece projecting the permanent rivals for the Big Ten once expansion happens next year, UCLA and USC come in, comes in. And it was really interesting. Like, for example, um, you know, they're trying to, how do you bring in these two teams that are on the West Coast? I mean, they, you know, outside of the Rose Bowl, right? They don't really have a big, connection to the Big Ten. One was interesting, UCLA, it's the 366 model, right? Three teams that you play every year. That's your that's that's those are your rivals. And then the other two groups of six, you alternate uh, with those. Well for UCLA, they had obviously USC, then Nebraska, and then Illinois 
And this is what he's guessing it'll happen. It's not it's not set in stone. But I thought it was interesting. His rationale is US UCLA has played Nebraska more than than any other Big Ten school. They played Illinois the second most. So I do appreciate the the thought in this, but um it's an interesting read if you get a chance to, to check it out. Yeah, it's it's really hard to hard to imagine what they're going to do with those with those alignments and how they're gonna set this up. And you know, I it seems like you would want to have Illinois be in the same uh, pool as Northwestern though, you know, in-state rival and things like that. So if you're going to do this, so I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see. I really don't know how they're going to figure it out. Cause there's just two teams that are out there in the middle of nowhere. And so, uh, well, I guess it's not nowhere, but compared to the rest of the big 10 teams, but <laughs> right. there are two Los teams Angeles. out there by themselves in this small <laughs> town called LA, but uh, so, but there's two teams out there kind of on their own. And what do you do with those? I guess you got some, guys on the east coast what do you do with them and how do you put them all together football is going to obviously be scheduling to be tough but uh, and i think they'll do doubles in basketball where you go play both of them when you travel but the other side of this these these non-revenue sports are going to be crazy yeah and i will tell you what if the pack 10 pack 12 and um big 12 wanted to play real hardball they would refuse to do any type of of those uh, non-revenue sports with UCLA and uh, USC to really make it hard for them. Um, I do think that some of those, those, I do like the idea of having three, you know, rivals is good. I think it will take some time for a, like, I think the first one and maybe the second one is usually pretty clear. The third one I think is going to be an acquired taste for a rival. So hopefully they'll stick with it long enough that you'll actually develop that. Interesting, Brad. Uh, you think just like Tom Fernelli for Illinois, he has UCLA, Northwestern, and Purdue, which uh, which makes sense uh, with that. But again, a great read on CBSSports.com. Really interesting to take a look at that and uh, and see just how um, how he thinks about it. And again, this is coming up, hard to believe, folks. The Big Ten expanding next year. It's now less than 18 months away, July 1st. It is. It's upon us. Keep it here. We've got to take a quick time out and then much more after this. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available available 24 7 365 get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care hi this is larry smith proud native of central illinois it's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades and as a lifelong illini fan it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athlete stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Bob Thompson is the former president of Fox Sports Networks and the founder of the Thompson Sports Group. He stopped by the Big Sports Radio Show to talk about a number of issues, including conference expansion and how schools making moves in the past compares to what's going on these days. Let's listen in. Well, I think some of the early expansion, talking about, say, maybe Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, and part of that was probably Big Ten Network uh, related. Um, in order to get some additional uh, eyeballs for the network, uh, create some flip what we're 
quote, outer markets at a lower rate to inner markets at a higher rate and, you know, really helped the network from a financial standpoint. And also brought some 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 good programs to the to the uh, conference. You know, in a little bit, you can say the same thing, certainly, uh, probably not to the same extent, but for for the L.A. market, that was an important ad for television. I think it was also an important ad just for the conference in general. Um, you know, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I think at this point, the Big Ten is standing pat. I mean, obviously, with with Kevin moving on, um, probably nothing will happen until a new commissioner comes about. I also think that one of the reasons was that there's they didn't want to get to a situation where they were ultimately responsible for putting a a knife in the back of the Pac-12 network. Um, you know, long history between those two conferences, and I really think that that some of the members had a difficult time with, say, going and poaching a couple more conference or a couple more members of the Pac-12 conference, which could have proven you know, it's, it's end or it's demise. So I think that's actually a, a good thing that the, the, everything seems to have stood holding pat right now. I think the expansion of the CFP certainly helps uh, these, all the other conferences outside of the big 10 and the SEC, they know they have a path to get to the college football playoffs. So it's created some level of, um, you know, everybody's kind of stood down. Now, if for some reason the PAC 12 cannot reach an agreement that satisfies its members and a couple of folks in the PAC 12 get wandering eyes, as I like to call it, um, and bolt, then, you know, all bets are off. And I think that could, could cause some additional um, movement. Um, We'll have to wait and see. I I hope and I believe that the PAC 12 will get a deal that's close enough uh, to some of the others out there. Obviously, it's not going to be Big Ten numbers. It's not going to be SEC numbers, but it'll be close enough to keep the conference together, which I think for fo- college football in general, it's very important to have strong conferences coast to coast, especially when you get to the playoffs. You don't want to just have a you know something down the middle center part in the southeast part of the country. You need to be strong from the ACC to the Pac-12 and everything in between for for college football to really, you know, and the playoffs to really have the implications that it that it can have and should have. You know, you you talk about the Pac-12 trying to figure out what they're going to do. How do you look at the decision of adding potentially streaming to a package? Because I know the NFL has kind of toyed with it a little bit with Amazon. What do you you know as a, as an executive who's who's worked in the industry? How do you look at streaming versus television? Well, I'm a firm believer that you need to, you know, reach your viewers wherever they are. And, you know, more and more these days with cord cutting and in many cases, people who never even had a cord in the first place, you know, cord nevers as they're called, um, you need to find a way to reach them. And so I think it'd be uh, incumbent on every conference to have a streaming element to uh, the, their deals. And I think pretty much everyone does, you know, whether it's, you know, through the ACC digital network or through ESPN plus, um, I think the, you know, PAC 12 or the big, big 10 will have some Peacock element, some Paramount plus element. Uh, so I think it makes sense. The question you have to get to this point where you don't want to be in a situation where you're trading dollars for distribution. 
uh, you might someone might write you a big check, but if nobody can see the events, then that creates a problem. Mm-hmm. So as a element of a package, it's important and can bring you some additional money. You get your feet wet you, with streaming. You're going to reach some people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily see your product on, say, linear the linear cable bundle because they don't have it. But you still maintain the, the wide distribution that you know the the cable the cable networks have and the, certainly the broadcast networks have. So there's a balance I think that you need to have in there. That uh, again, that was former Fox Sports Networks president Bob Thompson appearing on the Big Sports Radio Show. When monster turns into a monster, that's next on the Sports Spectacular. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053-800-613-8053-800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Hey, kind of a weird week uh, this week with the Illinois basketball program. Uh, <laughs> Brad, you're telling us in the break here a little more about, about Matt Meyer um, and, and monster drinks. Yeah, so he, after the Ohio State loss, he kind of drowned his sour or sorrows in monster and video games. And like six or five or six monster drinks so he's got all this caffeine in his system and he says he has caffeine poisoning now i will say that is a kind of a real thing i don't know if it's that's a clinical thing but you could you have too much caffeine i remember one time i drank too much red bull now i I was mixing it with something else that may have been the issue but like i thought i was going to die at like three in the morning like many many years ago and then I, I ended up crashing and I was out for like eight hours and I couldn't even function. I mean, I was like dead to the world. So it is kind of a real thing. Not, not, so I don't recommend energy drinks. I don't drink them much. Anymore. Come on, come on, Larry. How do I follow that? 
Good lord. <laughs> this man is this man lives the most sedate life and has more near near death experiences than anybody I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say one thing though. I can I can understand you know soaking your sorrows in a um in a video game. I think those monster and Red Bulls taste horrible. Now I do drink about 15 Coke Zeros a day. That's where I was so going. I let the innocent among us throw the first stone because <laughs> I might be a semi-caffeine poisoning. Only by the grace of God and your wife in the house have you not had a You know, I have to blame Jeff Alexander for my latest monster issue because he started me on the the Arnold Palmer monster with the tea lemonade mix. It's really good. It actually tastes good if you like Arnold Palmer's. And he started me on this, so it's his fault. So it's Jeff Alexander. It's all his fault. I told him that. He ruined me. So so Brad's the type of guy who comes back, you know, one night late from the bars and and tells everybody – I had all I had was tea, and I'm 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 drunk, and it's like, what type of tea? Oh, Long Island. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, another big story this week: uh, the new rules to speed up Major League Baseball. Two crazy instances: uh, the Braves ending the game on a walk-off strikeouts uh, because he wasn't set in the batter's box or whatever in time, and with two strikes and two outs of the ninth, and then the Orioles and Pirates playing the bottom half of the ninth inning without umpires because they left the game. Yeah. I it this is bizarre. Like I mean, Major League Baseball, it's like they're trying to become a sideshow. Like I, I swear, I, and I love baseball, but who cares if the game averages three hours? Like it, now it's two hours and thirty nine minutes. Okay, I want to be there for twenty minutes. That's I. That's the last two innings. They shut off beer service in the seventh. So now they're just going to shut it off sooner. They're going to, you know, who cares? NFL games can take three and a half hours, but some, oh gosh, Major League Baseball game can't take that long. You know, NBA basketball game, two and a half hours, pretty much set. But they have timers, and I get it, but baseball, just let it be. Now they'll figure it out, but I, I, I hope, and this sounds terrible, but I hope, like, somebody loses based on a strikeout because they weren't in the box at eight seconds in the in the playoffs. That'll be the best that'll be the best thing ever because they'll realize then we'll see. Guess that's stupid. Why did we put that in place? Yeah, you know, baseball suffers from the fact that it's the one sport that had its popularity before television. You know, the NFL was designed for television in terms of you know, they they adjusted the rules for that early on. Of course, the NBA was never a big thing, you know, and then then you know television kind of evolved with that game as well. And baseball is, you know, I think the the two sports that are pre pre TV that um, are baseball and boxing, and boxing can only last you know thirty six minutes of fight time and another you know twelve or forty eight minutes when you add in the the uh, the, the minute in between. And I just think there's it's a challenge for baseball because it just doesn't move at the pace that most Americans um, are expecting. But I think maybe you sell the difference and not try to be like everybody else. It's going to be interesting. Um, I tell you this much, there will be a lot of controversy talked about uh, during the season, which unfortunately will overshadow the actual accomplishments and the things in the game itself. No question. And you know what you mentioned NFL, Mike, what the NFL is like, and they're trying to all the college now trying all the speed up rules in football too. But think about this the game itself, we run that clock. The game itself is like 15 minutes long. 
Like the whole football game is like 15 minutes. That's why you can do Big Ten and 60 on the Big Ten Network because that's all the plays are is like 15 minutes of time. So I, I don't I don't know. It's just bizarre to me that we're worried about got to speed it up. Well, another bizarre topic we have not discussed here in the show since it happened. Aaron Rodgers, who makes $40, $50 million a year, paying money to go into a cave. <laughs> well, I think he had uh, he had monsters from Matt Meyer, and so and he was playing video games. They were both playing Call of Duty against each other. Is what happened, and, and so it just set him. I think that's what happened, and so Aaron just needed his dark place there. As or maybe far as I, Dexter, you see his dark passenger. I don't know. As far as I can tell, Aaron Rodgers is doing nothing more than repeating his his hated mentor Brett Favre. Because Brett Favre would, you know, am I going to retire? Am I not going to retire? I'll tell you soon. And then eventually he ended up, you know, I'm coming back. And and I think what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers is he's going to him and all around, and he's going to do what he always does. I'm returning to the Packers, but he'll make sure to to ring out a couple, three weeks of coverage before he announces. And drama. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you talk about, talk about goats and Tom Brady or, you know, Dan Marino, whoever. Goats of drama, Brady and Rogers. There's your battle. I mean, who's who's going to drag this stuff out longer? So, uh, just do it already. Or go. Don't some- don't, don't don't overlook Brett Favre though. Remember how long he used that's, to take. That's true. That's true. Same thing. But yeah, if now I was just laundering money from kids. Oh oh! oh. Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> like the Oswald shot. Oh, right there. So the famous picture. Yeah, from Dallas. Yeah, here's the thing. If I if I make it forty million a year, I'm not going into a cave to figure it out. I'm going to Maui, and I'm going to sit on the beach in a disguise and have nobody bother me in one of the cabanas out there at my favorite uh, rural Lahaina resort. And uh, you won't find me till I come out, um, six shades darker, and then I'll tell you what's going on. But do we really know he went to a cave? I mean, do we know? I mean, like, did anybody like see him in this cave? No, it was dark. <laughs> <laughs> if, a, if a Pro Bowl quarterback goes into a cave, do you really know he's there? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> your point? Oh, my. Well, listen, everyone, stay out of your caves. Uh, get out, uh, watch the games, enjoy. Uh, enjoy life while we have it. Uh, we got, we have this day. Let's rejoice in it. For Brad Sturdy, Mike Egley, I'm Larry Smith. Thanks for, wa- thanks for watching. That's what I usually say. Thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy. We'll see you next week. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.